0: Thanks so much for joining me today on the podcast. Today I'm really excited to share with you my interview with Michael Hidalgo. Michael is a pastor, an author, a podcaster, a blogger, parent, husband. Honestly, he's somebody who is helping people and I think spurring people to think deeper about what they believe and why they believe it. He has an amazing message that he is getting out to people already. Why? Because I know that both me and my husband are two people who have been impacted by his message and the influence that he is putting out into the world. So I'm really excited to share this interview with Michael.
1: I'm a lead pastor at Denver Community Church, and I've been here for 11 years now. And the reason I say it, it's my chief passion is I really do have a deep belief. Uh, about who the church can be and, and I would say should be in the world um, as people who put on the skin and bone of who God is and who God should be in the world. And so uh, I do that. If you ask others, they'd say, oh, he's an author and podcaster. Um, If you ask my kids, depending on the day, (laughs) uh, depends on the answer you'll get. Um, but I, uh, I've been married for 19 years to my wife, Beth, and uh, we have three kiddos, uh, and we live here in Denver.
0: That's so great. Wow. So you stay pretty busy. Um, I know DCC or Denver Community Church has grown a lot in the last few years, and there's been a lot of change um, in, in that community there. Um, and I, both me and my husband used to attend Denver Community Church, which is how I first found out about you um and have started following um just some of your sermons and read your books and all those fun things but um i know that you've received a fair amount of pushback on some things and you kind of tend to be one of those people that i i think um is really pushing the faith community just the community at large um to really think about what kinds of stands people are taking on certain issues mm-hmm. um and you've received a little bit of pushback on that um how do you go about thinking through, you know, if you, when you have something that you really feel convicted about that that is you know is probably going to get some pushback? What's the thought process that you go through before taking a stand?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, I would say first, the, the, there's always the question: Is this something that's that's reshaping me? Is this something that's transforming me? I see a lot of people. Uh, And I speak with a lot of people who um, we can quickly deduce what are the things that we should be saying in our current context and in our current culture. An example of that would be my friend Jeff has observed that in the city of Denver, it's extremely out of fashion to look or sound in any way racist. And so people can quickly learn the right lingo learn the right ways of speaking, thinking, acting with with very little actual heart transformation. And so my question is, is this something that's keeping me awake at night? Is this something that is actually fundamentally changing the way that I live, the way that I think, the way that I see people? And until I get to that place, I'm not going to say anything. Um, Now, I can tell people about my process. I can talk about here's what I'm wrestling with. But if I'm going to come out and make a statement or if I'm going to come out and invite people toward uh, a more holistic worldview or a way of living um, or to a higher level of consciousness, however you want to say it, um, I, need, I need for me at least to be in a place where I'm, my heart is in the process of transforming and being transformed regarding whatever issue it is that I'm going to speak about.
0: So there's a fair amount of work that goes on behind the scenes that people don't even realize, you know, yeah. before you put out a podcast episode or before they see a sermon go live on on the website or they hear you live speaking. There's a fair amount of work that goes in behind oh, the yeah. scenes. <laughs> so um, do you have any mentors or people that you go to that are sounding boards for you as you're thinking through some of these 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 tough things that cause you've come out on, on some things that I feel like are very against the grain to what a lot of common um, faith culture mm-hmm. tends to, to go with, um, or even just general American culture tends to go with. Um, yeah. Do you have those key people that you go to, or is, do you feel like you are alone on some of these issues and some of these things that you're, you're really pushing?
1: Yeah. You know, the, our Jewish friends say that the greatest threat to the community is not uh, heresy, it's hypocrisy. Um, and they say that because they always study in community. And it's interesting that if you look at the, the history of heretical teachings throughout the life of the church over 2000 years, it's almost always named after one individual. Um, even with, I've just been reading about Gnosticism. Um, and they, Christian historians pin Gnosticism on one individual named Simon Magus, who's talked about in Acts chapter eight. So it's interesting that you have like, it seems to be like one person that we always boil it down to. So for me, early on, I definitely had mentors. Um, there are three individuals in my life who shaped me in how to study, how to read, how to preach, how to think. Um, and I, they were invaluable for me. And since that time, to answer your question, yes, for, for sure, I have individuals who are ahead of me in the way that they're thinking about all sorts of different conversations. Um, and I keep in touch with them and pursue them and often ask, who are you meeting with? Who should I meet with? What books are you reading? What books should I be reading? Uh, and then I also have, like, nothing goes out the door, so to speak, whether it be a podcast, a sermon, uh, I'm not writing as much currently, but there's something in the works right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, it's always going past multiple individuals. Mm-hmm. So in our context at Denver Community Church, when we figure out what we're going to teach about next, that begins with at least four weeks of conversation among our elder team. What are we sensing? What are we feeling? What are we seeing? What do we think the people of Denver Community Church need next? And then the next piece in that is I begin the preparation process. Um, But every sermon I preach, several of our pastors hear me talk through it, think through it, asking them, Hey, what do you think? What am I missing? And it's not, not necessarily because I'm terrified of what I might do if I'm locked into a room by myself for a while, which by the way, there is some fear in that because I'm sure I could come up with some interesting things. Um, but I also want to recognize that I can only see so far on my own. I'm, if I'm left to imagine, um, what kind of person I'm speaking to, it's going to be a very narrow scope. Whereas if I'm speaking to, uh, some of our sisters on staff, if I'm speaking to some of my brothers on staff, if I'm speaking to people of color, if I'm speaking to people from the LGBTQ community and getting feedback from all of them, um, it's gonna expand my understanding of who's listening and therefore it's gonna help me contour my message in a much more compelling way for more people.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's one thing that I've noticed just in kind of being on the the wings, watching the church from a distance, is that you guys definitely do have that community of leadership where I, i do see that collaboration and even if correct me if i'm wrong but you guys also have um you know you guys trade off people preaching and sometimes you might be preaching on the same topic as someone else on the same day is that correct
1: yeah we've shifted that a little bit just from our teaching calendar perspective but yeah you're correct in saying um i i'm barely like the I, I I'm barely in the lead when it comes to the number of weeks that I teach anymore. Mm. Um, I've continued to teach less and less, and it's not because, uh, I'm less interested. It's because I believe that we need more voices yeah. and it's not just indiv like just getting individuals up there so that they can speak, but it's also different giftings, different perspectives. Uh, so like in the month of September, I think I preached twice in the month of October, I'll preach twice. Um, in November, I'll preach twice and in December, I'll preach three times. So it's, um, it's very intentional that I, I don't, I I think anytime there is a singular leader, uh, whose voice is the voice that's being heard and that individual is cut loose and given a wide berth as far as what he or she is going to say. And everyone's expected to agree with them. They actually, we actually call that a cult, not a church. (laughs) Um, And I'm just not into that. I think we need, I think we need more and more people being heard. And there's also the recognition um, that for me, I recognize that people like me, a white male, like our voices have been the dominant voices for centuries. And I, I don't think that that's necessarily healthy when you begin looking at the, the landscape in America and where we are and how many voices have been relegated to the margins uh there is a recognition that like I need to step aside um and, and recognize like I've had my t- chance to speak um and how do we continue to make room for others so that they their, their voices and their gifts their passions their talents are heard
0: mm. that's great well I really appreciate that and I've I've seen that from, from the outsider perspective that yeah. you guys definitely, that, that, that is getting accomplished in, in the variety of people speaking and the voices that are being heard there. So, um, yeah, so, um, so you speak at, at a church on most weekends, um, and that church has recordings online, which. Um, my husband and I both have um, appreciated after moving further away. Um, and that, so I've listened to those for off and on for about eight years. And um, but you also have a podcast and a blog. And so it's clear to me that you have the ability to share your message online and um, you understand the, the ability to reach people beyond just the physical bodies in your church. Yeah. Um, what do you hope people will get? or uh, get by or be influenced by in your messages, whether they be on the podcast, blog, or even physically in those seats on a Sunday?
1: Yeah, I think one of the things that I learned early on is that people who live, uh, people who are communicators, people who are communicating in any way, shape, or form, are often sharing about where they are in the present moment. And what that has the power to do uh, is it's telling people about what our next logical step is. And it's not communicating to those who are listening or reading what their next logical step might be. And so we're at all different places and different levels and different stages when it comes to growth. And so somebody could be extremely mature with regard to uh, their faith and could be just starting out in a brand new relationship whether that be marriage or as a parent or whatever else. So they might be immature in that, in that level. And we often just throw out these ideas about what we're going through. And if you're a new parent and you're listening to me talk about parenting my teenagers, which I have two of, um, you might be just feel lost. Or if you're brand new to uh, following Jesus or Christianity and you're listening to someone who's been in the game for 30 years talk about where they are, you feel lost. So, my hope is, and I state this over and over on the podcast, is to help people just take their next step. Mm. And when what I've seen is when we hear somebody talk about their maturity, their experience, their life, their transformation, and there's someone who's in a totally different place, what can be heard is, man, I got to get there as quickly as possible. Um, and for me, what I've recognized over the years is I've just taken, like it's a, it's a journey of a thousand miles and you start by taking a step. And so what, the, what it has the power to do is if we get lost in our own stories and if we get lost in our own um, location, so to speak, mm-hmm. we can actually deny people the same journey that we were given. And so I have, if I go back 25 years, I have countless people in my life in countless conversations, um, a whole stack of books. I mean, on and on and all these things that pushed me forward just a little bit and the massive, like cosmic leaps forward are very, very few and far between. So for me, it's always saying, okay, for those who are listening, reading, thinking, hearing, what is, where are they and what might their next step be? And the way I figure out where people are is I just ask people all the time, send me questions on email. Um, I have ongoing email conversations with everything about the Bible, Uh, everything from like the Bible to, uh, I just had a conversation with a guy about um, economics and finance and the spirituality of money. Like it was fascinating. And I was asking him more questions because I'm terrible with about economics. Um, But I'm always trying to hear what people are talking about um, so that as I'm speaking, I can speak into the places that they are. and do so in a way where hopefully they're they're able to take a next step and what ends up happening is I usually get the better end of the deal in my opinion because I learn so much uh about life and living it and the struggles that people are having and how they're navigating it and the way that they're thinking in ways that I never would have dreamed of uh thinking in that way so
0: wow that's great I like that the next just the next step there and and you're so true with people at Every different stage of, of life, and from so many different angles, they could be listening online, you know, from all over the world. So it's yeah. it's hard to know. <laughs> Your audience can't can't be one size fits all, but uh, that's great <laughs> that you're approaching it from kind of what's the next step. So yeah. Um. So putting yourself out there, it can definitely bring a lot of. Uh, it can be a blessing and a curse mm-hmm. um, to be able to share all not so easily. <laughs> but a lot of times that also brings with it um, maybe a little bit of backlash. Um, I've been talking with a few other of my friends who are pastors uh, and they also uh, experience similar types of experiences. So I'm sure you've probably had a few people disagree with some of your thoughts. Once um, or twice. <laughs> uh, how do you typically deal with criticism or disagreement from other people?
1: Uh, yeah. I would say there's a, there's a few things to keep in mind. Um, one is just the recognition that we live in a time in a day and age in which there's just a lot of haters out there. I had a friend who recently said, you could get on Facebook and only post about rainbows and kittens, and somebody will come after you about how much they hate kittens. So I think there's the recognition of um, – I, I don't even – I'm stop saying people are angry. I think people are lonely. Um, Mm. and when you live in such a way where you're isolated from community isolated from friendships and nobody is giving you a hug not in spite of who you are but with all of who you are
0: right
1: um you 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 begin to devolve in a place like I have to attack others who don't agree with me so I think keeping that in mind is incredibly important and then I think it's uh whenever I receive I have a community of people around me who don't don't just sit around and tell me how great I am um but also love me enough to challenge me in who I am mm. and so when we invite that into our lives of I, I want I want to hear from you I want you to help me think through um who I am uh I mean I have friends in my life who will say to me dude I I've been with you the last couple of weeks. I don't think you're treating your kids fairly. Um, Is there something going on? So when you can receive that kind of criticism, then when the other stuff comes, um, I'm able to thumb through it and say, what's good here? And there's been a lot of times where people are just nasty and the mute button on Twitter and the block button on Facebook are actually okay to use. Um, Because when people come at you and start, accusing you of your motives. Um, when people start calling you names, um, I've had unbelievably horrible things said to me on social media. I mean, deeply, like these are not the things you would ever say to someone face to face. So when that happens, I just say that's not worth it. Something that's going to tear me down is not worth it. So any, for those who are listening, any criticism that's meant to assault your character and your humanness and who you are, uh, as a person is not worth listening to. There's no, there's no good nuggets in there. Um, and I, but then I think, I think of the people who will come alongside me and say, um, Hey, you said this, this is the way I received it. And I can imagine I'm not the only one in the room who received it this way. I'm all ears at that point. If it's a critique of something I've said, something I've done, something I've written, I'm all ears. When it's, you're a terrible human being, that's not criticism. That's assault. Yeah. Um, and so I think if we're going to filter it, it's always, is, is this intended to help me in my work grow? Or is this just coming out? Like, like we are, we at this point just blowing things up and shooting people. Um, and it, it's actually, in, one of the benefits of our current cultural realities of division and anger is that criticisms become a lot easier to to sort out and to filter.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and so, yeah, I think good criticism, we fall in on hard times. And so if you're listening and you say, well, I, don't, I do terrible with criticism. Whoever is in your life that you trust the most, begin asking them for feedback on your life. And I, my, my bet is they'll do it gently. Um, and you, I think we'll learn to begin to look within ourselves and realize like nobody is perfect. We're not meant to live life alone. And if you have friends who only tell you how great you are, um, they can be a better friend by telling you where you can grow in uh, the areas in your life where you can mature. And I think that is a really healthy, healthy friendships to have. And if we can have that, then we can withstand a lot more.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's, that's great. Thank you. Yeah. So I'm sure there's other people out there that are like you that feel like, okay, I've thought through something, I've wrestled through something. And I really want to put my views out there. I want to make a stand for something that I see some sort of injustice for, um, maybe something that they're thinking is pretty radical um, to how the current culture is, is moving. How, how do we go about that in a way that's respectful and kind and wise? Do you have any advice for people who want to go make a stand or, or go change the world, but in a, in a kind way? yeah or maybe it's not even kind (laughs) (laughs)
1: um
0: just a wise way
1: (laughs) yeah no i think it does take a lot of wisdom I, i think part of it is we're living in a time in which whatever the other side does uh justifies the way that we behave which is exactly the sort of thing you see on a playground with a bunch of fourth graders and so i think the first question is are we handling this like adults and i i mean i say that a little bit jokingly but i think one of the biggest things we could do to heal our country is literally just begin acting like adults
0: yeah
1: stop so when it comes to an issue that you're passionate about for example let's talk about immigration uh, my dad's a cuban refugee um i've done a lot of work around immigration with immigration talking about immigration <clears throat> and so um, if I begin my conversations about immigration by saying, those of you who are on the right, you don't want immigrants in this country and this is against the heart of Jesus and therefore you're against the heart like People stop listening pretty quickly because what I've learned is saying to somebody, you're wrong and terrible is typically (laughs) not the best first step in persuading them to think otherwise. Um, But to begin by saying, hey, can we all just admit that something's not working with regard to immigration in our country, and that President Obama was actually deporting more people than President Trump did, um, that instantly gets people going, oh, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So this is not a partisan issue. Um, And then beginning, I think, to talk about, like for me, I almost always begin talking about my, my experience with immigration and how this has changed my mind because facts don't change minds. There's actually research to show that if somebody can be shown that they're wrong and it's proven factually, they will actually move further into their wrong-headed beliefs. Hmm. Stories, however, have the power to change. (laughs) Um, I have a friend who says we are narrative-based creatures. We don't dream in equations, we dream in stories. Hmm. And so what stories do we have around immigration? Whose story can we tell? Is it a story, something that we've experienced that's changed our minds? Um, with regard to LGBTQ equity, my process of evolving regarding that that uh, conversation began when I met um, a guy named Eric, who I was served tables with at a restaurant years, like just like 25 years ago now, and he blew up every single uh, stereotype I had in my head. Mm. and everything that I was told about the LGBTQ community was not true with regard to him. Then on the heels of meeting him, my wife and I became great friends with Carl and Bruce who were a gay couple that had been married at that point, 17 years, and were defied every single category we had. And were more thoroughly Christian in the sense of being generous, kind, loving, compassionate than a lot of heterosexual couples we knew. So when it comes to stories and experiences, if we begin there, it's really hard to disagree with the story. The trick is then is not making your story the normative story for all people. And so I know friends who are progressive, who I, I have friends who are atheists, who are every bit as fundamentalist as the conservative uh, Christians that they can't stand because they're always trying to convince you of why you're wrong and they're right. But if we begin just saying, people, I really want, um, I really invite you to understand where I'm at. I'd love to share this with you. I, this is something I'm learning. That's incredibly disarming. You're not telling people you have to agree with me. Mm-hmm. It's just saying, hey, I'd love to, I'd love to share with you what I think. Um, and I think that learning the art of those conversations, without things being combated, without things being convincing, persuasive, all of that is really going to move us forward. Um, and in all of this is always then a willingness to listen. So for me, there's, there's people that actually like tune into my podcast. There's people that actually show up on a Sunday morning. Um, And I pray I never lose the wonder of that, Mm -hmm. which also then means the number of times I'm called to just listen and hear someone else's story and actually validate and say yes to their experience even though it might lead them in a different direction than mine. um, That's where the hard work comes in at a soul level and an ego level.
0: That's, I'm really glad you mentioned the ego level and the soul level because, and that that is the hard work because I think you're right on with that. Listening is definitely a harder thing to do um, for most people. Do you have any, um, do you have any tips or things that work well for you when you <laughs> realize you're struggling and not listening well?
1: Uh, yeah. I think one of the reasons, that there's a line in the movie Fight Club. It's actually not in the book, but it's in the movie where uh, Marla Singer, who's one of the characters in the movie, says talks about going to therapy, uh, group therapy. She says, I love coming here because people listen to you. I mean, really listen to you. They don't just wait for their turn to talk um and there's a lot of insight in that because i said earlier we're lonely we often want to speak because we want somebody to hear all of the dirt and the details and say i love you and you're going to be okay uh and we don't get that and so for me i find my ability to listen um to weigh my words before I speak are all connected to how much I'm slowing down throughout my day, throughout my week, throughout my month, and throughout my year. So this morning I got my son up at uh, 645, um, made some coffee, got ready, went back downstairs and got my son out of his room because he was running late, uh, but dropped him off at school and then moved from – that to my office where I'm sitting right now. And I spent the first hour of my day in silence and contemplation. uh, And then read a chapter from a book called The New Harmony by John Philip Newell. Dead quiet, didn't speak to anyone, no phone calls, no text. And when I orient my way, my life that way day to day, Mm -hmm. um, that's to me a really, that sets up my whole day. That sets up my whole week. and in those times, what I'm realizing is, like this morning, my breath prayer was, "You are my Son, whom I love. With You, I am well pleased." Mm-hmm. Um, so, no matter what I accomplish today, what I what I don't accomplish today, no matter what I say or don't say, uh, I'm living with a deep understanding of, "I am, I'm loved." And so, I think there is a, a way when we can sit in silence, when we have nothing to offer but ourselves, with all of our brokenness. Um, we realize that this is what everyone wants and we become a gift to others simply by being present with them and listening to them.
0: Mm. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. So um, before we sign off here, just a lot of our listeners are really intentional about having a message that they want to get out to the world, whether that has a faith base or it's some sort of, you know, it's their brand. It's their, it's their baby. It's their product. They think it's going to change your life. Um, regardless of, of where someone's coming from with trying to influence people and, and and building trust with their audience online or in person. Um, do you have any advice just for people that are out wanting to influence their local sphere of influence?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I would say, uh, to, Two, maybe three things. Maybe a third thing will come to me. But for right now, there's two. Uh, first, one of the best things I was told about preaching years ago was people can tell from 90 feet within 90 seconds whether you believe what you're saying or not. Um, and authenticity, one of the things that I've really grown to appreciate um, about human beings and audiences is they have this weird sniffer for authenticity like if you're not if you're not willing to die for what you're saying they're done so the old are you smoking what you're selling um ask yourself that question if you could walk away from whatever it is you're promoting trying to convince people of whatever um then don't talk about it uh i told my wife one time i was especially frustrated with being a pastor and i said i'm gonna go sell real estate and she didn't even look at me she said, "Oh, that's fine. You're just going to end up preaching to the people that you sell houses to." So, um, yeah, there's the sense: is it a fire in your bones? And if it's not, don't don't do it. The second thing would be: uh, always ask yourself, who who's the one individual in the world that you're talking to when you're when you're saying this, writing this, speaking this. Um, I actually I took a took a. Uh, A course, years ago with uh, an author named Margaret Feinberger and another author named Jonathan Merritt. And one of the exercises was write down a full biography of the person you're speaking to. So mine at that point was uh, a jaded evangelical Christian (laughs) um, who was about to throw the whole thing out the window, but realized maybe there's something here I need to I I need to sort through the trash and pull out a few things, but I don't know what those things are. Um, And so when I speak, I think of the 2 million people who are leaving evangelical Christianity every year, and they're jumping off the ship, but they're not bailing on spirituality. They're not throwing their Bibles in the trash or the paper shredder or delivering them to goodwill they still have a deep, robust spirituality and faith and longing to know God in the intimate sense. They love Jesus. So I'm always thinking about those individuals um, and where are they? And it's been said, like, if you aim for everybody, you will speak to nobody. If you aim for somebody, you'll speak to everybody. And so I'm always aiming for a very narrow Group of individuals that is expressed in the biography I wrote about this one guy who left evangelical Christianity, um, and in that, what I find is there's all sorts of people that that dial into what I'm saying, and um, I ca- I can't imagine not doing what I'm doing. So if I ever get bored with it, I'm done. I will walk away, and that almost happened a few years ago. I I got to a place of I realized I was. Climbing the wrong ladder and was kind of done, but um, I've had a renewal in the last couple of years. So yeah, I would say those two things. That's Sorry, true. there's no there's no third thing. I said there might be, but there's not.
0: <laughs> those Two were really really great. Um, well, and I think I think you hit your biography really you know right on the head there because I think that's where me and my husband tend to relate is just faith. There's things we cannot. We, we don't question, there's things that we cannot walk away from, but there's things within um, the church that we start to question. And so we've really resonated with that. So I think you hit that biography really well. Oh, thanks. Um, you're at least reaching two people. So
1: <laughs> awesome. Good to know.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you, Michael, so much for joining us on the podcast today and just sharing your insights and wisdom. And
1: yeah, thanks you know, for having me
0: walked through a lot and influenced a lot of people um, in, in face-to-face interactions and also online. So thanks for sharing all of that, that insight. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome.